Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 368 of the Colombia Calling podcast. Actually, by the time this goes out, I will be in Mompos enjoying a little two-week break and a mini high season for our hotels in Mompos as Colombians will travel the country and we've had some reservations come up. So it's quite fitting that today's show is a tourism, a travel and tourism related show. And in the next segment, we'll have Bruce McLean, originally from uh, New Zealand, but talking about how he thinks travel and tourism will evolve in this post-pandemic Colombia that uh, seems seems to be progressing, seems to be happening uh, as we watch and look on at, uh, well, politicians and their plans. But, uh, you know, vaccinations are taking place, uh, albeit slowly, but they are taking place. So this is cause for celebration. So Bruce will be giving us his feedback and tell us a little about, bit about his company, B&B Columbia Tours, BNB Columbia Tours. So we'll be talking about that. In other news, I know that a lot of you have been asking after my dog, who's uh, who has been a lot in the background of uh, many of my recordings. Monty the Weimaraner had, well, came out of surgery and it was successful. He took out a three kilo tumor from his stomach. And so now he's on the road to recovery, but we're waiting to hear back on the biopsy of said tumor. Other news behind that, I finally had my graduation. Virtual it was, but I had my graduation, and I now hold a PhD from the Universidad Javeriana here in Bogota, Colombia. So thank you again to all of you out there who have supported me along the way and who've read my work and uh, continue to be interested in this. Of course, if you want to help out more on the Columbia Calling podcast, you can sign up for our Patreon campaign for as little as $2 a month. You can help our financial survival and of course, you can find the buy me a coffee, you know, if you just want to pay $3 on a one-off and buymeacoffee.com, you can find the Columbia Calling campaign there. It's also on our website, columbiacalling.co. So anyway, I'm going to step back and we'll be right back with uh, Bruce McLean in segment two, because unfortunately, uh, Emily Hart can't be with us this week again, but she will be back. She has promised she'll be back on episode 369. She's just got too much work. So the good problems in life. She's got too much work as a journalist. I've come back from Kukuta, and some of my articles will be out soon in the mainstream press. So I'll be sharing those on Facebook and uh, Twitter and so on. So stay tuned, folks. Thank you again, and stay listening. Bye-bye. 
And we're back. This is the third segment of Columbia Calling episode 368. And our very special guest this week is Bruce McLean, and he's in the coffee zone. And we're going to be talking tourism this week because, you know what, it's, we, we've had some hard-hitting issues of late, and I know you like them, and I know you like hearing about what's going on in Colombia, but also we need to look at the other side of things. And tourism is, of course, what the president wanted to declare the new petroleum for Colombia. So we're going to talk about this, and it also coincides with the big uh, international tourism fair that Colombia hosts every year. And in fact, where I caught uh, the COVID virus last year, this time last <laughs> year, obviously pressing the palms in a big convention center which had more than 40,000 visitors in it so it seemed like a great uh, host for the covid uh, uh, disease i'm happy to say that it was only a light uh, a light case and i was laid out for just uh, 3 days but my uh, my guest this week is bruce mclean and he's uh, from new zealand originally he's now relocated to the coffee zone and his company is bnb columbia tours so welcome on the columbia calling podcast bruce thank you very much richard pleasure to be here no, it's a real pleasure to have you on, and we've been in contact for a little while, and we've chatted a little bit, but give, uh, give our listeners uh, a bit of uh, background about you, because you're from New Zealand, and, well, you met, I guess, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the uh, story, boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, boy moves to Colombia. More or less, but sort of, uh, it's more or less, but over a couple of years, yes, that's, that's more or less what happened. Uh, I came to visit my sister who um, lives here in Bogota. She's actually a missionary, been here for around 25-odd years. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be here for about three months that first time and just fell in love with the country and a girl from the coffee zone. Uh, see, so as you do, uh, I ended up visiting. Oh, I saw much of the – obviously, I saw the coffee zone. I saw much of Colombia here, got up to Tyrona Park, uh, I went to the Pacific Coast, went to Sand Hill, uh, went to Amazon, saw just and everywhere. Uh, I was just uh, love at first sight. It was just different culture, every location, the people so nice, so friendly. Uh, it was it was awesome. And the fact that I met Paula, it just sort of made it a little bit better as well. Uh, see, so that's more or less how it started. I ended up going back after those three months. I was living in Sydney, Australia at the time. Uh, so I was back there and Paula ended up joining me over there. We um, actually got married like a, a year later. My mother actually married us in her garden. So it was kind of nice, something a little bit different, a bit special. And, yeah, now we're finally here, finally in the coffee zone. It's like a little paradise. It's a, it is a paradise. There you go. This is what people want to hear because I have a lot of listeners who who consider moving out to start either adventure tourism uh, companies or agencies or perhaps you know open a hostel or something like that and of course the you know i've got a good cater of uh, listeners who consider retiring to the coffee zone and if, to me i mean i've said it a thousand times if i said it once on this podcast i don't know why we don't all live in the coffee zone it's, it's so uh, wonderful i mean it is you're right it, it's beautiful the only thing we don't have here is a beach. We have everything else. We've got the mountains. Yeah, it's it's just spectacular. Well, I mean, coming from Sydney, especially when I used to live like five minutes away from, you know, eight beaches sort of thing. It was 
that was the only change or adjustment that I've had to make to come here. But here we've got beautiful lush mountains. We've got crops from here, coffee, platano, avocados, oranges, everything you could want fruit-wise, so many birds, amazing variety of birds. Uh, it's just, it is, it's a paradise and and people need to come and see it. <laughs> I think one thing that struck me, because of course I spend a lot of time, as you know, up on the in the Caribbean area known as the Costa, is that when we, me and my wife first visited the coffee zone, we were just amazed at how polite and well-educated the people were. This is not to say that Costanios are not polite and well-educated, but they have their way of doing things, you know? Mm. So it's like, yeah, they sh there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of chaos. Uh, then they might not be rude, they're just, they're, you know, they're being the way they are. But then we got to the coffee zone and even the bus drivers were just cordial, yeah, normally in the coast, these are the guys that shout at you, don't really care if you fall over when you're, you know, get on the bus <laughs> to sit down. It's careening around a corner. Uh, the attendant more or less hurls you off at the place you want. Whereas in the coffee zone, it was like pulled in nicely. You know, it's like this is yeah. your stop. Don't worry. I'll wait until you're fully off the steps. Have a nice yeah. day. And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I am. <laughs> it really is special. It is a special part of Colombia. It is. I've, from my experience, I've found friendly people basically everywhere I've gone in Colombia. But it is the coffee zone is just that that little bit more amable, as you'd say. You know, they're, they're that little bit friendlier, the little bit nicer. You know, it's it's not a big city feel here as well. Not like if you're walking in Bogota, you know, you you're lost. You want directions. You know, you. You can't get your phone out on the street for one, and you know. So you want to ask somebody, and they're just as likely to just look away and carry on. Here, they'll stop, they'll help you, they'll get their own phone out, give you directions, show you how to get there. A lot of the time, they'll walk with you if it's close. They're, they're kind people. Yeah. Would you say there's a, a there's a similarity to sort of rural New Zealand and rural Colombia, the coffee zone in that in that respect? In that respect, yes, I would, because uh, you know. Kiwis are friendly people as well. They, you know, it's it's hard to find angry or rude people in New Zealand, really. Or, you know, you can find them, but it's not easy. You have to look for them. Um, but here, uh, nature-wise as well, it's it's a lot of the landscape reminds me of it, but obviously there's a lot more birds here. Just the nature, just it's amazing here. We, oh, we have a little vine out the back, which is uh, passion fruit which we planted and it just sort of took off and it was just, just awesome. The passion fruit is so sweet. And then a few weeks ago we noticed that it more or less died and we saw because all those a couple of hundred caterpillars on it and they just ate them all and now yesterday and today they're just starting to come out. They all cocooned up and now we've got, you know, there's about 100-odd caterpillars, 100-odd oh, butterflies all just flying around the back. You know, that, that sort of thing I... I've, I haven't experienced the New Zealand. You know, that's it's special here. It really is. It's, there's something about everything here. It's just that little bit different, a little bit more. You know, that kind of thing, it doesn't make you better that your passion fruit has gone. You, you <laughs> Not at all. With another uh, exuberance of life. Exactly. I've, I've, I'm still hoping that it will come back. But, you know, if it doesn't, so be it. We'll plant other passion fruit. They'll... You know, it's so fertile there, and the volcanic 
land, the volcanic earth, means that everything and that climate which sits in between, you know, obviously hot and cold and that just perfect where you, I guess you just don't even break a sweat. I mean, it's that, that perfect heat. Oh, well, that's depending where you are. See, uh, there's the coffee zone. It's got, you know, being mountainous, there's different levels. You know, some bits are cool, perfect, where you don't break the sweat. Uh, some places like San, uh, just last week in um, Santa Rosa, Los, uh, the Santa Rosa, uh, Tamales de Santa Rosa, where they have the waterfalls, beautiful waterfalls. We often send tourists there. They had hail, first time in a long time, but it gets cold there at night. Here, where I am, I'm based in a little in a little pueblo or a little town called Viterbo, and here it's like population twelve thousand people, and we're in a valley. So here it's more or less around thirty odd degrees every day. So it's a case of you're sort of sweating just when you're sitting doing nothing. It it can get it can be some really warm days here. Um, when it's cold, it's like twenty two degrees, which I've got to think what that is in Fahrenheit. I think it's around 90 Fahrenheit to 70, but I'm not certain. I'd have to think about that. It's not, yeah, it's it's not, it never gets cold, you know, not to the point, you know, I'm in shorts and T-shirt every day, you know, with sandals. That's that's how I dress. That's it. Do you, um, I mean, is there a nice breeze off the mountains then that comes in and and takes off the edge? Sometimes. Uh, during the day, the peaks of the day, uh, I'd say between 11 to 2, 2.30, sometimes 3, it's quite can be quite hot. You know, you don't go outside unless you've got a hat on. Yeah. You know, it's it's a small pueblo. So from 12 to 2, everything's closed except for the restaurants. Yeah. You know, everybody closes for that two hours, their lunch break, you know, goes home out of the heat just relaxes, then goes back. And so it starts to cool down a little bit later on, but it's, it's, it is, it seriously is like a paradise. You can, you know, go horse riding at nighttime here and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, you know, go in the moonlight. It's, it's spectacular. It really is. I mean, I do not know this town, Viterbo. Tell us, tell us a little bit about, about the town in relation to, let's say, major, coffee zone cities, or I guess Armenia, Pereira, uh, and Manizales. Where, where is it? Okay, we're sort of about an hour north of Pereira. Okay. So generally people, when they come into the coffee zone, generally everybody arrives in Pereira. Not everybody, but, you know, because Armenia is quite large and Manizales, but, you know, Manizales, the flights might get cancelled because of the fog and Armenia doesn't have quite as much centrality or is not as centred into the coffee zone as Pereira. So for me, Pereira is the best place to land. Yeah. Uh, from there, it's sort of more or less an, uh, 40 minutes to an hour, one direction is uh, Salento and the Kokoda Valley, which is, you know, if you come into the coffee zone, that's one place you have to go. Uh, it's ridiculously beautiful, actually. It's got the tallest wax palms in the world there. Uh, it's got, you know, the... The, all the colourful streets. It's, it's truly is a an experience just walking down those streets there. Uh, you've got Philandia on that side, Santa Rosa on that side, uh, Armenia a bit further along, another hour away from Pereira, another direction, more or less an hour. You've got Manizales, and we're sort of the other way. So we're not 
so much in the tourist zone. We are we do there is tourism here, but it's not it's not what it should be, and it's not what it's going to be. I know in a few years' time it is going to just be an explosion here. Uh, for me, I I really do think the turbo is going to be the new Salento for this side of Pereira. It's just because the nature that's around here. Um, it's the location. There's a tunnel getting built right now uh, that's going to cut the time from travelling from here to money to Medellin to three and a half hours. So it should be down to four and a half hours by the end of this year. And after they finish the roadworks on the other side of the tunnel, down to three and a half hours. It's going to once that tunnel's built. This is going to be the route, I believe, that people will take. So it'll be the triangle um, from Medellin, past from Viterbo, into Pereira, into the coffee zone. It's going to be a bit of a triangle here, I'm sure. Do you, I mean, you know, I've, I went to Salento um, probably about 10 years ago, and, and I went back maybe about five or four years ago. And my second visit, I guess, coincided with a weekend, and I was taking ah. someone from a the owner of a very famous uh, travel agency in the UK, international travel agency. And we couldn't walk down the middle street, the main street for people. And it is beautiful. Let's not get it. And it is a gateway to the Cocora, uh, the Valle del Cocora. And it, and there's just so much to see and do around there. But would you want Viterbo to, to convert into that, into a, like a mass tourism uh, destination there? To that extent, no. And to be honest with you, I think it it won't get to that because of the heat. People will come here, I believe, for two, maybe three days at the most. But Salento people will go and stay for four or five days a week sometimes in that area. Here, but when you're coming here, there's we're so close to other pueblos that people could stay as well. Uh, Apia, which is up in the mountains, um, beautiful little, little town as well, uh, great walking tracks around there. It's got bird watching around there. We do tours from that around that area for um, paragliding mm. as well. It's wonderful. Uh, it's a great town, perfect for people to stay as well as here. There's um, other ones like Belacassar, which actually, Belacassar, it's uh, on the other side, right up this side, up another mountain. Um, from there, you can, you've got a magical view of like of four different departmentals, of four different departments. Um, and there's actually a giant statue of um, Jesus where you can actually climb up into the statue right up and view out different ways all the way up, up to his nostrils and look out his nostrils at a, an amazing view, which is like 45 metres high. It's it's a great – so it wouldn't just be here sort of what I think. And there's the thinkers around as well. Yeah. And oh, yeah, there's, there's just too much. If you can filter – and you can, let's say, dilute the numbers amongst other towns. First of all, you're going to have happy neighbors. And, yes. And then secondly, you're, you're enabling somewhere like Viterbo and like you, Belalcazar and I think it's Arpia and all these other ones to uh, improve their infrastructure at a, a gradual pace. It doesn't need to be overnight because I know that Salento was growing for a, a substantial time, but it almost felt that from, you know, one night to the next day, it just became almost unmanageable. Um, but, you know, one thing I'm not worried about in the coffee zone is is the quality of service, service and standard and the quality of fresh food. I mean, that's 
those are things that I just don't. And logistics, as we sort of touched on before, uh, you know, let's say the bus drivers being so polite and the cars arriving on time. I, I believe that the people have the capability to do that. But the, as you say, the tunnels being built, so the infrastructure is being brought up to up to a standard which which is very positive because Colombia is renowned for its uh, poor infrastructure for obvious mm. reasons we don't need to get into that but do you feel that Viterbo and the neighboring countries will be able to step up uh, and and meet the challenges of, of let's say a, a quite an incremental uh, increase in tourism then absolutely I have have no doubt because I people aren't going to stop going to Salento they're still going to go there as well. And it's a case of, I've mentioned just something that you did mention before about you went on a, a weekend. Uh, there's something that we always suggest is to try not to go in a weekend. <laughs> Salento is one of those places. It's a small town, wonderful town. Weekend's very busy. Or if we do organise a tour that includes Salento, that's going to be the first stop. So you're going to be getting there, you're going to be in the morning, you're going to walk around, check it out, enjoy yourself, and then you're going to be going out to the Kokoda Valley or to a coffee thinker or something like that where you've got space and you can relax and you've got the fresh air. Um, but here I, if I think about the turbo in a way of how it's going, building itself, it's it's increasing, it's, it's getting more and more attractive for me. You know, I've only been living here two years, two and a bit years. I've known it for about three and a half years. Um, they've, you know, parts around the plaza, they've widened the footpaths already. Um, some buildings, they've, they've got some new beautiful buildings there. They're, they're uh, improving the attractiveness, I suppose you could say, of the facades. They're painting a lot of different places. They've got, they've actually got a really good cafe here now. There's, you know, because being in a small mountain town or a small town, you don't expect to be able to get a good coffee, but you can. You know, it's it's generally for me. I like this the, you know, getting a tintico on the side of the road. That's that's what I like. But you can get a nice latte or cappuccino here. You know, you can get some really good cocktails here now. You know, so it is. It's already on that path. So it feels to me like they're already ready for that increase for the increase of foreign tourists, not just the Colombian tourists, where it's already starting to come. Well, of course, with that, you got us onto the next sort of point there. I mean, we've been in, I would say, since the darkest uh, years of the Colombian conflict, uh, you know, 2020 has been the next darkest year in terms of uh, tourism and, uh, say, the financial, uh, you know, the global economic uh, situation. But for those of us in tourism and the service industry, it's been, uh, to use a positive word, it's been spectacularly bad. Um, mm -hmm. So how have you, you know, I mean, we have in Montpós had small peaks, like mini high seasons. We had a, like a mini high season, December, January, of Colombians, because of course no one's leaving the country, and they were finally granted permission to leave their homes. And, and given that Montpós is located strategically between Bogota and the Caribbean coast, we became quite a enabled, uh, like strategic stop on the way. And and it, you know it's got its attractions, and people want to come. So we did all right. And then February was miserable. I mean, mm -hmm. totally miserable. And I think. 
the people that called me, you know, I, I never felt lonely because the bank called me up about 10 times a day to remind <laughs> me of my payments. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, but now we're seeing, fortunately, a little, uh, you know, upturn for the two weeks of, I guess, what they'd be, half term in Semana Santa right now. But then, you know, what, what of the other side of May? And because all of these months previously were my my foreign months you know all of them are groups from france germany belgium holland uh, when do we think i mean when i mean first of all let's get back to your company here bnb columbia tours do you cater do you have people from the colombian market who who uh, take your tours no no. In general, generally, no. Basically, it's more or less our tours, no. What we do do offer now, we offer private transport basically throughout Colombia as well. Okay. That is something that we are starting to get some interest on from Colombians. Um, so that is something that we're, we're looking at building that side of our business as well. Um, but generally, we focus on providing those English-speaking tours for those foreigners. You know, I know, you know, from my own experience, the first time I was here, it was near impossible to find English-speaking guides. It's it's much easier now, but at that time, it was just, you know, tiresome on everybody. Nobody, you know, wants to translate constantly, and you know, it, it's it's an awkward situation when you have to ask somebody, "What did they say?" And they just, "Ah, oh, come on, give me a break." You know, it's just, you know, just enjoy something. <laughs> Go have a coffee. You know. So, I mean, in this last let's say nine months, you, I mean, you haven't had any reservations. Since February last year, uh, we was looked like this is going to be the best, you know, oh, the yeah. best year, obviously, like everybody thought it was just amazing. Uh, then this happened. And then all of a sudden, basically every day to it, every transfer was cancelled. Um, so that sort of stopped everything. I was lucky enough that, you know, we, try to build a, a good relationship with the people who book for package tours, you know, the package tours for like, you know, a couple of weeks or a month sort of thing, or two to three weeks, I should say, very rare a month. Um, but so we're able to get them to postpone to this year or later. Um, they're comfortable providing, you know, we're happy to hold the deposit. It's no problem for us just to keep it there. It's safe. Uh, only problem we've ever had is with airlines, which, you know, they're, they do what they want to do. They're airlines. So. Um, but as far as that's concerned, that was more or less it. We didn't receive any reservations, any bookings uh, until December, I think, we sold a tour, which turned out to be grow into three, four tours, four, nice. four tours in total. Um, that was with the help of an awesome guide. Uh, but from there, you know, we had a couple of tours booked this January, but then, no, they got cancelled. And, but we have got, you know, a couple coming up um, in April, have got a couple of tours, which are from um, people from the US as well. So it's like, it's not anywhere near what it was. It's, and I don't expect it to be there for a long time, but so, that is where we are. You know, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I guess the best way of putting it is Anglo-Saxon uh, and I enjoy planning ahead uh, mm -hmm. which you know in a lot of cases is very different to what goes on here already and as we said yes. as you mentioned 2020 was going to be the most incredible year it really was mm -hmm. i mean it, it just 
And then, of course, we but we didn't hold on to deposits. We gave them all back, which was really punishing. I mean, it was yeah. it was bend over time. I mean, it really was. And and then uh, uh, I don't know when you say when it's going to return. I mean, we do okay from Colombians, uh, which is our benefit. It allows us to pay some bills and keep my staff on and pay them the living wage and above the living wage, in fact, and into their pensions and into their healthcare and everything. But I need the foreigners back. And I don't think, I don't think, I mean, some agencies have said to me that they're fairly certain they'll have a tour or two by November. But I'm not banking wholly on that i mean we've went through some really rough months and i'd hate to sort of you know plan ahead and say la we're going to be okay by then uh, i want mm. to be positive but it's been so hard um i think by november the u.s market will definitely be coming here that's okay. that's from what i what i read what i hear what i talk to people about it's all uh i just now there's the domestic and there's also a bit of uh, latin america thus yeah. starting to travel now you know, because you can still come here so long as you've got that negative PR t um, PCR test. You know, it's it's not a problem. You can come here. People are still. We are, uh, you know, Americans are all are still coming here. Um, it's but it's going to be and not until really they all get the vaccine or a good chunk of them. But that I think I read the other day that they're looking at the US. I uh, thinking May or June is their target. So if they everybody there has a vaccine after that, then then there's no reason why they won't start their planning at the very latest, if not start travelling. In fact, I have got um, two people who postponed their trip from last year who are planning on coming uh, June or July after they've got the vaccine. So that is, you know, so people will start then. But in reality, I think it'll be closer. October, November is when it'll really get close to normal, I think. You know what I think will help Colombia a lot? Encanto. The movie that is going to come out from Disney, I think that will help. I think they'll see that and they'll think we want to be there. We know it's a cartoon, but we still want to be there. You know, that's what I think will help us a lot as well. I think the timing of that is perfect. I think I, I've actually, I've had emails of people wanting me to get someone from Encanto from that movie on the podcast. So if anyone out there is listening, and has <laughs> please, because, you know, this was going to be our big year for us in Montpost because of the Wade Davis, you know, uh, uh, River Magdalena book, The River of Dreams. And, you know, that was going to be good for us. But I think a lot of people have read it and hopefully that sort of drives up. And then there's a guy... Uh, later on in the year, we've got another book coming out around that that stuff. So these, all of this is positive for Colombia. All of this, and, and actually, your your comments have uh, have lifted my uh, lifted the cloud of negativity that seems to shroud me at the moment. But it's just it's just hard, you know, when you've got an establishment and staff, and and you know, you're mm. trying to look after them too. But uh, let's go on to your company. I mean, you offer day tours and multi day tours all over Colombia, and of course, I think your expertise is in the in the coffee area because that's where you're based oh one last question about viterbo so you're seeing the you're seeing the upturn you know the immediate or the imminent upturn in viterbo's tourism have you bought up all of the properties on the main plaza then unfortunately no <laughs> i would i there is a look here's a tip for you there's a hotel that's for sale it's been for sale for two years because they've overpriced it but it is for sale it's like a block away from the plaza if I had the money, I would buy that 
completely change it on the inside, put a pool in there. It would be, it is, seriously, if I had the cash, I would I would invest in a, in a good hotel here. Well, how much are they asking for it? Uh, if I recall correctly, it was going to be working out to something like 200,000, 250,000 US. So it's not like a huge, but for what it is, it's like probably worth, you know, maybe a hundred thousand. So that's like mil millones de pesos, something like that. Something like that, yeah, yeah. And how, it's many, not, how many rooms it's got? Uh, from memory, because I, I looked at it a couple of years ago. So yeah. I got a, you know, I sometimes think of my brain as like a sponge that just absorbs everything, you know, and everything sort of comes out slowly, drip by drip. Um, if I remember rightly, around 20 something, 21, 22 rooms. But as I said, that's, it's something that really needs, you need to rip it all out, start again. So it's a it's, double, a double the investment on the purchase is what's happening now. It's like, uh, wouldn't surprise me, yeah. but it's a big, it's a big area. You know, you, easily two story. It's a one story now. It'd be easy to make it two story. It's actually got a section. You know, it's got a, a private apartment there as well. At one stage last year, all, all the um, shops underneath were for sale as well. So you could have got the whole, you know, at the front, I should say. So you could have got a lot. At, yeah, no, but there are some. I would. Yeah, I, I would look at the hotels. Uh, I'm <laughs> not sure of that. But uh, for okay. everyone out there, you know, sitting on an oh, yeah. a retirement yeah, yeah, yeah. fund, you know, why not? Um, but let, uh, okay, we moved on. So now I <laughs> wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, your company, BNB Columbia Tours, and we can find you on Instagram and Facebook and the websites, BNB, BNB Columbia Tours.com? Yes, well, it's BNB Columbia. And BNB Columbia Tours. Right. We call ourselves BNB Columbia Tours. And if you click on that one or put in that into the URL, into the web search, no problem. I'll just redirect you to the other. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I was looking at it and I mean, I could see that you don't like actively publicize some areas, but you do, you do sell them. Like one of a place that's, I mean, really dear to my heart and I've been twice is Guaviare and I love it and I find it so fascinating you know so for those of you who don't know colombia uh, too well perhaps you go bogota and then south of cundinamarca you go into the meta department and then south of that so it's almost directly south each one is the department of guaviare and okay you're on the edges and i, I should probably bring us up to speed is that you know there was a military bombing of an area el retorno not so long ago and dreadful things happened but around San Jose de Guaviare, which is a region where you can visit, you know, in, in periods of calm, it's spectacular. I mean, the, the natural, I would say, elements that, that where the, you know, you have the plains or the savannas meeting the Amazon. And it's just, therefore, this, there's this, just this clash of two different geographies that makes it so incredible. And then the, the you know, the indigenous people the original settlers have a very rich culture and it i love it i mean i totally love it but you don't actively it's only people that uh ask for it you would pitch that more or less yes because it isn't it is out of the way unfortunately it's something you have to think you have to know about it you want to go and see uh as you said get involved a bit or uh, experience the indigenous culture there um and if you know about that or if you know about the rock paintings, uh, you know, the rock painting is amazing, dating back uh, between, 
got told actually between 400 years, some of them, because uh, apparently um, this, there are paintings of cattle there. So these were not available or not there in the area before the Spaniards arrived. So that's why it could be some dating only 400 years, others 12,000 plus. So you can see some amazing culture, amazing history there and touch it. You know, touching things that are 12,000 years old, it's surreal. Um, as well as that, obviously, as you're saying, simply just completely beautiful there. We can we also offer a jungle walk there where you're walking through. It's the same sort of it's an Amazon jungle there, so you're still going to see the monkeys and everything else. There's a lagoon there. Um, you probably went and swam with the pink dolphins there as well. Uh, I think there's eight of them in the water. Um, you don't always see them taking a photo near impossible, but you might feel them around your feet while you're in the water. So it's all a case of it's the experience which is just unique and different that Columbia offers, nowhere else offers. But it is a case, it is at extra expense, it is at extra three, four days, maybe five or six days that you have to allow for as well to, to enjoy that time. Mm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not in the path of the tourist path, I should say, no, generally. I think, I think this is the evolution of tourism as well in a – let's say post, I don't want to say post COVID, but post pandemic maybe uh, era is that we'll see an evolution where people do not want to be, you know, locked together in amusement parks or in huge all inclusives, perhaps I'm saying, you know, more maybe family run or smaller run establishments where there's enough breeze i mean we're all talking about that and space and not crammed with people although i see mm -hmm. the beaches in the uk on occasion and the beaches elsewhere and the people don't seem to care but i think a more discerning traveler is going to look for things maybe just a bit more out there i mean as you've been working in this industry a while how would you feel about that i think you're right um it is that is more or less what we do offer now that is i think what it's more or less what we've always. It's because that, that is Colombia for me. It's a it's a sustainable. Generally, it's a sustainable destination. Um, the tourism here they don't exploit and overpopulate different places. Uh, for example, Tyrona Park. Um, everybody wants to go there every day. That's it. It's but it's impossible. They have a limit on how many people can go there. It's now closed. Uh, it was closed for one month every year. Now it's closed for two weeks uh, in February, two weeks in June, two weeks in October, you know, to let it breathe and and survive. So it's a it's a case of things is, uh, in Colombia generally, they're looking to be more sustainable, the tourism. The, the places that are more attractive or more beautiful, more untouched, uh, only really coming out now, I suppose you could say. They're, you know, there are places where you couldn't have travelled 10 years ago or 12 years. I, I couldn't have, 12, 10 years ago, I couldn't have come into the turbo freely because of a uh, uh, narco slash um, paramilitary person who was in control. Um, but now it's quite a safe area to walk around. You know, I walk with my dogs in the morning and the night down the streets and or down the road, and it's like a rural road. So anything could happen, but nothing ever does happen. You know, it's a... It's a safe place. Uh, but, yeah, it's. I think more people will probably do that, I guess. But we already have, or 
I feel we already we we offer those tours already. We offer a lot in Santander order oh, now um, around Barichada, which is just a beautiful beautiful little town. Um, you know, there's just nature everywhere, so it's not that hard to get out of a city and get some space and get some fresh air and to relax and enjoy yourself in this country. So, yes. But, yes, I would agree. People are going to go away from the pack beaches. They're going to go away from the museums, you know. But I think they were already heading that way before. This yeah. has just accelerated it. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was moving that way for people have been looking for experiences. And experiences generally mean, you know, st- away from a mass experience of something more special. So, what do you, I mean, for me organizing stuff and the, the Mon- depression Montposina and all that area, the hardest thing, and we kind of got to start winding this down, but the hardest thing in Colombia is to, for me, is to uh, sort out the logistics, is getting the cars to arrive on time, the taxis and the buses to be, uh, if they're picking up groups, to be, you know, just, just, just to do what they say they're going to do and what they're being paid for. What, I, what are the challenges that we, we, for you as a you know an agency owner? What do, what do you find the most difficult? Uh, for me, the logistics not so hard now. Um, the people I work with, I trust a hundred percent. The drivers reliable. Uh, the cars perfect. The, everything. The actual people I work with, I can't speak highly enough. It's it's very rare that somebody ever lets me down. Um, for me, the hardest part is is basically understanding and sharing exactly what the clients want. Um, we, I've got a uh, a form for people to fill out on our website where people can choose the different areas that they'd like to see. Um, so, and for a little short explanation of what's in this area, um, so they can have an idea. Um, as well as that, when people actually contact me, I've what I've done done recently. I've you know haven't been just sitting on my hands during this whole time, um, the last year. We have actually, you know, created some a few small videos of different locations because in reality nobody wants to read for 20 minutes about a location. They'd rather watch a video for two or three minutes. So we've created a number of videos. So I just send them links online for that so they can, you know, more or less get an idea of what's in every location of Colombia in a space of half an hour. And from that, then they can then we can then have a chat. We can talk about it. We can work out what you'd, what they'd like after that. But that's the hardest part is what I have. Yeah, what I've said is it's, it's showing them or understanding exactly what they would like to sh- to experience because I know we have it here to share. And too much of it. Too much. Oh, I don't think one visit is enough to Colombia. It's you can't you know spending a month here isn't enough time. You know, it's just you have to keep coming back. <laughs> I think that's, that helps with the, you know, the love affair that we all have with Colombia as well. It's just you could take a different holiday every single, you know, different location to every single holiday. And now I'm in the situation with two young children is I don't want to go to places that they won't remember yet uh, because I want to be able to take them and they remember. Uh, I know mm-hmm. my, my older son remembers the Llanos of Casanare. But it would be, it makes no sense to take my one-year-old there on a safari right now. So we're yes. sort of working towards this. And so at the moment, it's just family visits and some things like that. But I think it, it, 
when you talk about your promotion and making up videos, do you put them on Instagram then, these short videos to, to catch people's attention? Uh, we do, um, but we don't get a lot of followers from there, to be honest with you. Because the videos are about, you know, between three to six minutes long. So they're all on YouTube. If you look at our website uh, in the pack, because we have the two different websites, um, the one that has the packages on, which I think you've seen, um, there you'll see links to the videos. Um, so in, we've made like little short 20, 30 second ones for Instagram. So to give people a bit of a taste. So we get people looking at it, checking out, they go to YouTube to view the whole thing. Um, but, it, but it is a new thing. You know, it, it's only been in this last year that we've created these videos. So we're still to test it in the market, so to speak, with um, when people are really looking. You know, at, at this stage, people aren't looking for their vacation so much. They're, we're getting a little bit of interest, but very little. You know, I think it's still they're waiting before that. So we don't know yet about that. Yeah. Well, I, listen, thank you so much for your time and for sharing these thoughts and, and, of course, these reflections on the tourism industry and how uh, we both see it growing. And, of course, I am very, very happy that I know that you're including Montpos now. Uh, Absolutely, you know. It's kind of a caveat to you coming on the show, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I would have anyway but uh, that said i think you know your positive words serve us all well uh we need to be looking towards a brighter future and and planning for it like i think most of us have in this last year it's been sitting down and how do we improve and polish and uh, our product and hone our skills to ensure the best and of course you've been doing that and we've been trying to do that here and so thank you so much for your for your time please uh, share your website and all other links that we need Wait, tell us again what it is okay so the main website which has got the package tours is bmbcolombiatours.com um we do have another website which is it should be a whole new story, but we have another side to our business which we're trying to build up, which is affiliates, which is the day tours and uh, private uh, transfers throughout Colombia. So that's a different website, uh, which we can explain to anybody who may be interested in just day tours, because I understand. Yeah, all right. That would be another half an hour. <laughs> You heard it here first, uh, and you've been talking uh, to me, Richard McCall. You've been listening to Richard McCall, and of course, I've been talking to Bruce McLean of bnbcolumbiatours.com. And let me just take this moment to say thank you so much for your time. And, and, and you know, I have to explain to people out there, I apologize. I was late to recording this. I was out at lunch. <laughs> I seem to spend my life in, in traffic in Bogota, but I'll be shortly in Montpos. Uh, but uh, it's been great, and it's really nice to have a open and frank dialogue a conversation about tourism because it drives so many of us here and uh, there are so many people i know in this business in some level of it and some connection of it and it, it it's going to be so important and 2020 did look like the most incredible year ever but we can't i mean that's that's you know we can look back on it with regret, but so what? I mean, we're past that now. Yep. I, I lament uh, everything, but, yeah, you know, we've just got to keep moving forward. So, Bruce, thank you so much for your time, and I wish you all the best of luck in these coming months. And in May 2022, bring us back up to some 
uh, you know, uh, let's say level of normalcy. Oh, well, it's where this end of this year is going to be amazing. Next year, it's going to be a big boom. Excellent. Everyone. Thank you again. You've been listening to Columbia Calling, episode 368. I've been Richard McCall talking to Bruce McLean in Viterbo in the coffee zone. Uh, We'll be back next week with another great interviewee talking about something Columbia-related. I know you've been enjoying recent (laughs) shows because numbers have uh, obviously reflected that. And, uh, yeah, well, I think uh, we can sign off from this week's week's tourism show and, and we'll look forward to... A positive future once again. So thank you for listening and goodbye.